Have you ever been lied to? A lot of heads going like this. Yeah. Well, today I want to kick off a new series. I want to talk about lies. We have a spiritual enemy, and one of his main tactics is to flat out lie, to lie to us. And in doing so, he robs us of our true identity. And so that's what we're going to get into for the next four weeks. If uh, you don't know me, my name's Jack. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you guys joined us this morning. If there's anything I can do or my staff can do for you, please, uh, please let us know, all right? But there's lies out there, isn't there? The political climate, we don't know what to believe. I mean, we get to a point where you kind of take everything with a grain of salt. And how about, you, you, you know, sometimes you, um, you hear something and you believe it's true and then you tell people and repost it. You know, maybe it's something in the medical field and you say, hey, I, I heard if you do this, then, you know, you'll get well. And, and then you find out later that it's totally false, you know, from myth busters or some fact-finding, you know, group out there. There was one floating around recently where, uh, that said Jimi Hendrix um, faked his death and is now living as Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and if you look at the pictures, I mean, I could almost believe that. <laughs> they look pretty, pretty close. Uh, all, kinds of, all kinds of lies. What, what, to, what to believe? We don't know. Um, and kind of an anchor statement for our series is this, a lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true, if you believe in it. So we're going to look at some different lies. And uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he was pretty fired up, so this is a strong statement. In John 8, 44, he said, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus just lays it out there uh, about who our spiritual enemy is and what he's all about. I want to look at, before we get into um, our topic for the morning, I want to look at the first lie, the first time that Satan lied to man. And we find it in Genesis chapter 2. And I just want to look at kind of how he lies uh, as a framework. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You know, we, we were never intended to be exposed to evil. Like, we, we don't even do well with evil. God, God only wanted us to know good. He didn't, he didn't want us to know evil. And there's only one rule. Only one rule. Don't eat from that tree. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree uh, in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, 
we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the first way that Satan lies is he gets us to forget about what is permissible and, and, and focus on what is prohibited. I know that's a, that's a mouthful, but that's what he does. To focus on what you can't do and to completely forget about all of the freedom that he's given you. If we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. So he's given them everything. Sometimes when Wendy and I are on a walk, she'll, she'll take seeds from little flowers and stuff. And I'm like, honey, I'm not sure that's legal. Like, those are not your seeds. And then she'll go plant them. I'm like, are they that expensive? Do we have to take seeds from everywhere we go? But see, I see here it's okay. She's We've been given every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, so it's good. He says, they will be yours for food, and, and all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground. Do you get the point? All of this freedom, all of this permission, you have the entire planet, uh, all the animals, all the trees, everything is yours, except one, except one. And Satan still does that to us today. You've got an amazing family. You have an amazing spouse. You have an amazing job. You live in Windsor, Colorado. You live in an amazing place. And, and then there's this one thing that's not ours, and we, we look over there and go, yeah, but, yeah, but that. Yeah, but what about that? I want that over there. And we forget of all of the things that he's given us, all of the permission. So that's the first way that he lies. The second is he causes us to second guess what God has stated. To second guess what God has stated. And that's why we show up here on a weekly basis. And that's why we go to a small group on a weekly basis, because we need to hear truth. Like we're hearing nonsense all of the time. We're hearing lies all of the time. I heard a guy, I was listening to a young preacher recently, and he said, um, he said, you know, when you take your kids to, one of his friends is not a, a believer, and he said, you know, don't you, when you take your kids to church and you do all this stuff, aren't you brainwashing them? And he's like, absolutely. I mean, if I'm not brainwashing them, someone's brainwashing them, you know, and I just want them to be able to make an intelligent decision about life and truth and what's real. And so we're lied to, and, and Satan wants us to, to second guess what God has stated. Did God really say that? I mean, I mean, come on. Is that really what I mean? Certainly you can follow your own heart on this one. You know, certainly, you know, you can trust your feelings about this issue. I don't know, the Bible doesn't really say that, you know. Did God really say that? 
So he causes us to second guess what God has stated. Number three, he makes us think that God is trying to withhold something good from us. You know, if you do that, then you're going to be just like God. And God always has our best interests in mind. He's not some kind of killjoy, doesn't want us to have fun. Think of all of the permission he's given us. That's not what he's about. He has our best interest. And then the last one, number four, he lies to us about the consequences. Just flat out lies. You surely won't die. I mean, come on, you're not going to die. I mean, that's not going to happen. You know, if, if, if you do this, it's not, it's not going to blow up your family, you know. If, if you do this, you know, you're, you're not hurting anybody. It really does. He lies to us about the consequences. And when we, we make poor choices that go against what God has, his best for us, there are consequences. And, and I'm amazed at how many times people are surprised about the consequences. It's like, well, what about God's love and grace and all that? And it's like, yeah, he still loves you. There's still grace. But there are consequences to our poor choices when we choose not what's best for him and we buy in to the lie. Today I want to talk about one of the most common lies that our spiritual enemy wants us to believe. And it's this one, that I have to be strong. I have to be strong. And I want to kind of dig into some, some subcategories of I have to be strong. I have to be, you know, work harder. I have to perform. I have to produce. Um, if it's not me, then it, it won't be. You know, if, it, if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. I have to be strong. Jesus said in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so some subcategories under I need to be strong. The first one is I need to be emotionally strong. I got to be emotionally strong. A lot of times this is for somebody else. I mean, how many of you know someone who you feel all this pressure? I've got to be emotionally strong for them. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Uh, you know, maybe it's just a, a good friend. Maybe it's a, a, another marriage that you feel like, you know, you know is on the rocks and you've got to be emotionally strong for this, this marriage. Maybe it's your own marriage and you feel like, you know, we've we got to put on a good front. We've got to, you know, for the kids, put on a good show, stiff upper lip. I, I just came from London, stiff upper lip. I love the British. They're funny though. Um, we have to be emotionally strong. Can't be vulnerable can't show any weakness. How many of you can relate to that one? Emotionally strong. All right. The second one is provisionally strong. I have to be provisionally strong. I got to bring home the bacon, you know? I, I got to run the household. I got to keep everything in, in order. I got to do all the laundry. I got to get the kids, you know, where they got to I got to balance a checkbook. I got to keep the yard looking nice. And you feel all this pressure and wait to get it all done. And under that is that financial pressure. You know, we got to keep up with our friends. What about that, that travel team? You know, that, what if they don't get into that travel team and, and, and maybe I need to get another job or maybe I need to be a better budgeter? Uh, all these kids' activities, the latest and greatest stuff. And um, just feeding kids. I mean... When I realized our budget for feeding the kids was $800 a month, I couldn't believe it. We weren't eating filet mignon. We were like, Wendy's cutting coupons, and, and it was $800 a month. And then you think, what about when they're teenagers? 
And then they need a car and they need insurance. And there's all of this financial pressure, isn't there? Family vacation, college. And Christmas is only 70 days away. (laughs) I could be off by a day or two. The weight and pressure to provide. How many of you feel that one? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for being honest. How about this one? I got to be spiritually strong. I'm the only follower of Jesus in my family. I'm the only follower of Jesus at work. I'm the only follower of Jesus in my dorm room, at college. I got to be spiritually strong. How about that one? I carry the weight spiritually. I need to be a good witness. I need to say the right things. I need to pray the right prayers. I need to... I need to share Jesus with them at some point. What do you do with that? I gotta be strong in this area and sometimes you feel like the only one. You know, maybe I just give up because I'm the only one. And you know there are people that are just waiting for you to fail, right? So they can say, I told you. I told you there's no power in your faith. There's no power in your God. I told you. See, you're just like me. You're, You're nothing special, which is really true. We just have Jesus but you feel that weight, that pressure. How many of you can relate to that one? Spiritually strong, yeah. How about this one, professionally strong? Some of you've got jobs that you hate. You're working every day with a bunch of psychos. (laughs) And you just gotta endure this thing, right? I gotta be strong. How about this? If, if I underproduce, it could affect a lot of people. There's a lot riding on my performance. A lot of people are counting on me in the workplace. Maybe you're the owner of your company, and, and you just think about all those little mouths you, you have to feed, you know, of your employees. You know, honestly, I feel this when I lead the church. I feel like I have to be professionally strong. I worry about messing this thing up, you know. I mean, I don't know why. We've been going good for 13 years. But I forget. And I feel like I got, you know, what if I mess up? What if I tell a really bad joke and you don't come back? (laughs) It happens. What if I hire and invest in the wrong people? What if I miss God? I feel that kind of pressure. How many of you can relate? You got to be professionally strong. Yeah, a lot of us. And Satan wants you to believe the lie, I have to be strong. Now on the other side of the equation, Jesus wants to reveal truth. And when you experience the truth, he says the truth will set you free. So here's the truth. If you're just waking up right now, wake up and write this down. Here's the truth. No matter how strong you are, your strength is limited. No matter how strong you are, your strength is limited. Eventually, you're going to run out of gas if you're running on your own strength. And many of you might say, you know, if I'm honest right now, that's where I'm at. I just limped in here. I'm at the end of my, of me, emotionally and provisionally and all of those, spiritually, I'm at the end. There's nothing left. There's nothing left in the tank. 
and you find that your fuse is really short and you, and you explode in anger toward the people you love the most and you're frustrated and you think, if, if I only work a little harder, if I just sleep a little less, a few more hours, maybe I can be a better parent, a better spouse, a better provider, a better leader, a better friend, a better follower of Jesus. But there's so much going on, I can't do it. And there it is. I can't do it. Will you say that with me? I can't do it. And that's the place we have to get to. Did you know that you and I were created by God on purpose to have limited power? On purpose. Why is that? Because he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him with our not enough so that he can make up the difference. He wants us to come to him. Our strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. It's unlimited. Unlimited spiritual power, unlimited resource and provision, unlimited emotional resource, unlimited wisdom. It's unlimited. It never runs out. It never runs dry. His bank account always has money in it. A few years ago, I decided to finish my basement and there was, a, there was a room down there that needed a window so it could be a bedroom. And it was a concrete wall. And Gary knows, he can tell you this is a true story. And so um, I got a bid. Well, first of all, we got an engineer to say, yeah, you can cut a big hole in your foundation and your house won't fall down. And then I got a price from a guy to cut this hole for me and it was $250. But I'm cheap. And I said, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I went to Lowe's and I rented a saw and Gary came over to help me, and it, it was probably, what, five hours? I mean, we were cutting and cutting and cutting in this. It was horrible. It was terrible. And so we get this thing scored out in the concrete. It's about, you know, this thick of concrete. And then I think, okay, now all we got to do is get a big sledgehammer and hit that, and that thing's just going to fall out of there. So we get a big sledgehammer, me and the boys, and we hit it, and nothing. It doesn't even move. <laughs> it's just, like, it's bad. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I called Steve Cyphers, and he, he had this little power tool. It was, a, it was like a, a hammer thing, Makita. And it was amazing. I mean, you, plug, you put it up against there, and it just went through that concrete like butter. Just, and, and I started to break all the little pieces out. And um, we found out that there was rebar in the middle that didn't get cut by the saw. So, I mean, this thing wasn't going anywhere. So we were able to cut that and, and everything. And, and so what I realized is there's two kinds of strength. There's human sledgehammer strength and there's Makita power hammer strength. <laughs> and many of us are going through life trying to use that sledgehammer. And we're getting nowhere. And we're banging our heads against a 12-inch concrete wall. And we're frustrated. And we don't realize, we don't understand why, why I'm in the same place year after year after year. God wants to give you a new kind of strength. We've got to stop doing life out of our own limited strength. The prophet Isaiah wrote many years ago, 
Isaiah 40. And the way he opens this up, it's kind of like, it's like, duh. You know, it's like, duh. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not be faint. I don't like to run. I need to run, but I don't like to run. I get tired about my mailbox. And he says the youngest, strongest people, will, they're going to get tired. They're going to run out of steam eventually. They're going to get weak. But God's strength never runs out. It's an unlimited supply for those who hope in the Lord. Unlimited supply. And, and they're going to soar like what? Like eagles. You ever watched an eagle? Not a care in the world. Just catching the wind, going where he wants. Not a care in the world. You know what the problem is? A lot of us are more like hummingbirds. You ever watch hummingbirds? And they're all, they, they, just look, they just look stressed out. I mean, they're looking everywhere and darting everywhere. and You know, I got to go to work. Got to pay the bills. Got to do laundry. Got to go to sleep. Got to get up. Got to do it all over again. And then the eagle. Got a care in the world. They soar. Those who hope in the Lord soar. There's no effort. There's no frustration because the wind of the Spirit carries them. The wind of the Spirit carries them. So there's a lie. I need to be stronger. I need to work harder. I need to do better. And the father of lies says you have to be strong. But the truth is that you have to be weak that you have to be broken, that you have to be vulnerable, that you need to be dependent on others. That's how God set it up. That's how he created us. We have to be weak so he can be strong. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, the context is, Paul's got something that's driving him crazy. We don't know what it is, but he's asked God to take it away several times. He calls it a thorn in his flesh. And he's begged God to take it away. But for some reason, God has a higher purpose and he won't take it away. We pick up the story in verse eight. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is is made perfect in weakness. And we get to these places in our lives and we just want God, take it away. Take it away, it's too hard, it's too much, I can't do it. It's overwhelming, take it away. 
Sometimes he does. But other times, like Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Keep coming to me. Keep coming to me for the source of your power. My grace is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Greek word for delight. Anybody know what it is? What it means? Embrace. I will embrace the weakness. Is that cool? Embrace it. I delight in it, in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong because of his power. And I think a question for all of us today is what weakness do you need to embrace? What's an area that you've been trying to do it all yourself? Trying to pull yourself up by your, your own bootstraps. And you need to let it go and give it to him. You know, I've realized in my life that the sooner I give up, the sooner I surrender, that's when God comes and does something powerful. And I get a, a result. My grace is sufficient for you. My power, my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Charis. Grace. Charis. Best definition I ever heard of grace. I think it was a guy named James Ryle, a pastor, who's gone on to be in heaven. He was a vineyard pastor. He used to say, God's empowering present, enabling you to do all that he's called you to do and to be all that he's created you to be. Grace, God's empowering presence. His empowering presence. Wherever you're at, whatever you're in, wherever you've run out of steam and out of gas, his empowering presence to get it done. My grace, my empowering presence is enough if you'll come to me. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing because your strength is going to run out eventually. AJ, you guys can come up. So we need to stop being strong and we got to be weak. And it kind of offends our mind, doesn't it? It's a little bit of an offensive thought. It's hard for us. Some of us, it's harder than others, isn't it? So let's stand, and I just want to spend a little time waiting on the Lord. Did you catch that part? Those who what? Who wait. We need to wait. We need to wait to have our strength renewed. So let's just spend some time waiting. And if you're willing, um, for me it's helpful just to put my hands out kind of as a sign of surrender. So if you're willing to do that, will you do that? You might want to close your eyes. 
And I'm just gonna invite God's empowering presence right now. Father, thank you for being here. Spirit of God, we know you are here technically, but now we invite your presence even more to do business in our hearts. We're waiting on you. We're waiting on you. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Fill us with your empowering presence. We're leaky. We leak. We need to be filled and refilled and refilled. Fill us up right now. Just give it to him, whatever it is. A place you've been trying to run in your own strength. Just give it to him right now. give you those areas we've been trying to do it on our own and really get in nowhere Father I pray that we will we will be truth seekers. That we will chase hard after your truth. Truth seekers. That will go to you, the source, for everything we need. That will go to you. Not to a spouse or a friend, but directly to you. Thank you for that amazing direct access that we have. Continue to call us into your purposes. And may we trust you with those areas that you just won't take away because you know best. Jesus' name.